Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on 5x5. Bandwidth for April has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5, and they really are the best. Check them out at cashfly.com and let them know you heard about them on 5x5. Hover.com, simplified domain management. You've probably registered a domain with a company that just wants to sell you services you're not interested in when all you want is a simple .com or maybe a CO or TV. If the .com you want isn't available, you can get a .net, the one alternative to .com that's become universally accepted. Hover makes it easy. Just enter the domain name you want into their search box and Hover will tell you if it's available. If not, it'll come up with some suggestions. You can even just type in a few keywords and Hover will figure out some available domains using those terms with you, uh, using those terms for you, <laughs> like a magical robot. They have real human beings available for support and their number is right on the front page of their website. If you have any problems, just pick up the phone and call. They have a no-hold policy. Somebody just answers the phone. Seamless transfers from other providers, elegant DNS management, email hosting, and more. And even though I'm not Dan, if you use the code Dan sent me or visit hover.com slash Dan sent me, you'll get 10% off of everything you buy from hover.com. Okay, welcome to episode 40. My guest this week is Mike Hurley. Um, he, you may know him from the podcast Command Space, now on 5x5, and he reads the news on 5x5, and he's appeared on myriad other podcasts. How's it going, Mike? I'm very good, sir. How are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a, it's a pleasure. I believe we've been on one podcast together before. I was on yours once. Um, I think you've been on a couple of my shows. Have I? Oh, no. Well, at least you've been on, like, a, I believe I've had you on Command Space, and I had you on my older show, The Bro Show, which became... Oh, that's show. right. I, yeah. I, for a period there, I was doing, like, two, three podcasts a week. I don't yeah. even remember the names of half of them. Yeah, you you are a prolific. And now you have your own show, which is like one of my favorite shows. So I'm, hey, I'm very pleased to be here. But saying about 5x5, we're nearly on 5x5. Five five. So five by, on five by five. Dan owns me, but we just, <laughs> haven't, we just haven't yet moved everything over. But I do the news now every day, which is a lot of fun, actually. So sort of maybe five to ten minutes every day, I read out the, some of the top news stories. That are going on for geeks and it's uh it's interesting i'm doing it for like two weeks and having that sort of structure like doing a like a 10 minute show every day is really interesting it's not something i've done before that's uh that that, that i hopefully hopefully that's usually fun it won't be a blast uh tomorrow but yeah um, i don't know I, see there are things when then things come up like that so i mean where we are today the 15th right there's been tragedy in boston um I don't know. I haven't. Obviously, I've been doing it for two weeks. I haven't had anything like that come up, so I don't. Don't really want to talk about it. I don't know if it's something that necessarily needs to be spoken about on the show the next day. But then I don't know if people will will, will want it. I guess by now people will know if I did or didn't. But do you know what I mean? Like it seems interesting because they don't need the news on five by five to tell them for people for people to be told about these sorts of events. No, so that's I'm not right. sure. That's I'm what Twitter sure. does these days. Yeah, or just like general news. I mean, we talk about stuff that happens in technology, video games, movies, and comic books, and all that, you know, that side of, of, of the news. The stuff that's, you know, there, are, there is some sort of important stuff, like we talk about legislation that affects those sort of areas. But I'm not sure yet. I haven't, I haven't decided. I guess I'll make that decision tomorrow. I'll see the types of stories that come out, you know, yeah. because if it's something that affects that side of the of the news, you know, then I might, you know, I might want to talk about it, but a day well, late, people don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. Know. And they, they don't need a lot of commentary. There will be plenty floating around. Yeah. But then I, I don't, I, I'll have to see if I don't publish a story like that, see if people are like, why didn't you, you know, why didn't you bring up the, the biggest news story? That yeah. The been? elephant in the room. Yeah. Cause it would be that interesting. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thought. I guess I'm going to have a lots, lots of those now. As time goes on, see, I kind of we we just kind of covered it on this show without actually covering it. Yeah, because I have nothing to say about it. I'm I'm as shocked as the rest of the world and as confused as the rest of the world. Yeah, because where we are right now, I mean, again, it's funny about pre-recording a show, right? So people will probably when when will this show tomorrow? Probably afternoon. Yeah, so I guess I don't know. By then, we might know more. 
but like where we are right now, all we know is it's happened. Like there's no rhyme or reason where well, there never is, but there's, there's no sort of clear reason as to why this would have happened. You know, no. it doesn't seem to be, there's no motive yet. So it's a very horrible and, 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 and shocking type of thing to happen. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so so <laughs> you founded 70 decibels, or as you say, 70 decibels, right? Yeah, you were the first person to, to sort of to I say I can't that. be the only one. You weren't the only one, but you were the first. <laughs> I'm honored. Like, you know, should you be pronouncing it that way? And I was like, <laughs> where I come from, sir, yes. <laughs> decibels. Um, and, and you started that when? Um, well... I've been podcasting for three years this month. Actually, like last week. It was like the three years since the Happy first show. pod birthday. Thank you. Um, but I started the network, because I had a few shows going, but I started the network in October of 2011. So we'd kind of been around for just over a year before we, before we were acquired. And how many shows are currently on 70 decibels? Oh, wow. So I'm looking at the page now. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten active shows, um, of which I am on like six or seven. <laughs> so this is, this is what you do? This is all day, every day? Oh, no, I have a day job. Oh, I work really? On, yeah, yeah. I do, this is just what I do in the evenings. I, I have a, a nine to five in marketing for a financial company. It is great to talk to someone else who who spends their evenings doing what they love and producing things that are creative. Yeah. I get a, I get a lot of guff for the fact that I don't I never stop. I guess uh, people are shocked that I produce as much as I do and have a day job. Yeah, I mean there were there was a time. I mean I typically record like three days a week now, um, and I'll maybe do the odd show on like a, a, another day um but well actually it's more like two days two full days and i'll, and I'll pick up a couple of things but I, there was a time there where i was i was like monday to thursday about three hours a night recording shows <laughs> and but then there's so much that comes with that right so you've you know got email email is, is insane i i didn't think email would be a problem but it's becoming a problem for me now um, and just trying to, I like to try and keep, in, keep in, engaged with people. Like, so I try and I read all my mentions and I respond to them and on now multiple so, social networks. And it, the more popular you get, you know, the more people that you have listen to your stuff and follow you, the harder it gets to manage. I mean, obviously it sounds so obvious, but you can't really grasp it, I think, until you get to a stage where it is becoming a lot more frequent. But it's, yeah, so I was doing that for a while, and I guess I don't really sleep. I'm like you. Um, I don't sleep very much. I think that's something that we have in common. Um, it's my typical time to go to sleep is like 1.30, and I get up at like 7.30. Um, and sometimes, I mean, probably once or twice a week, I don't sleep until like 3 in the morning and to get up at 7. I made a conscious decision last night to sleep. You want to know how many hours I slept? Go for it. I slept for over 10 hours. Good work. That's crazy. That For you, it is, anyway. Yeah. I, don't, I, it, I felt like I couldn't tell anybody that. I was a little bit... Um, I don't know. I felt like people would judge me because I'm, I'm... Especially, like, around the house, I'm known as the guy who doesn't sleep. And, mm-hmm. I don't know, 10 and a half just seems excessive even to me. Well, especially sometime. to me. Oh well. Anyway, I have a. Uh, oh, so so the news would be that that seventy decibels was then uh, recently acquired, although not completely, but uh, acquired by five by five. I mean, not completely yet. Yeah, we're, we're, it's basically like it. It had been going on for so long. Like me and Dan had made the decision in like November, um, and we've you know it turned out that it was a lot harder to like technically to do um, than we expected. And as well, you know, five, you know, the guys over at five by five, you know, they're very busy people and they've been expanding and, you know, so it's, we've kind of been ticking along and it got to a point where we were like, we knew this was happening. So let's, let's talk about it. Um, and now we're just kind of 
in the last stage now before we start actually importing all the shows and bringing them in. Um, so what's going to change for you? Um, well, one of the, one of the things that I'm really kind of pleased about is I don't have to run a podcast network anymore because there's so much stuff that comes with that, that detracts from what I really want to be doing. So the reason that I podcast is because I love to create the, this stuff for people. I love to create audio that people enjoy about these insane little things that us geeks love, you know, whether that be technology or you know, my interview shows. I do a show about pens called The Pen Addict, which is so niche, but it's one of the things I love about podcasting is you can find whatever you love and create a show out of it and people will listen to it because they also love what you love. And but along with along with running a podcast network is the support that is required um, to, you know, people think, oh, app developers, they have support. But we also have support as well. So this file doesn't work on this app in my player. Your feed stopped working. Why is your feed not working? Um, the audio doesn't sound good on this show. Uh, you know, or like you don't have a embeddable playing like HTML5 player on your site. Why? You know, all these little things, um, which are perfect, all valid things. If you know, all of those are perfectly valid. I just, they take more time where I could be prepping for shows, creating more content. Um, I don't like the way our website looks. I want it. I think it could be a lot more user friendly. Um, it looks that way because I made it in Squarespace and I don't know how to code. So it's all sort of like, drag and drop and using their tools. Um, so I want that to be changed. I'll, I actually would love to have live, but can't, I don't have the skills to, to create something like that. And there's loads of things like our hosting isn't very good. And it was just getting to the point where I want to have all of this taken care of by first rate solutions. And that's what Dan has. Um, and also as well, you know, we wanted the platform. Like I, I, I want to be able to, I do want to be able to podcast full time. And for me, it seemed like sort of the fastest way to get there is to go to a place like 5x5 that has an excellent community that is around it um, and sort of linking what we've built with what Dan has built seemed like a great way for me to get onto a platform where I could really focus more on it. You know, I don't have to worry about finding sponsors anymore and they're, they're going to take care of all that sort of stuff for me. So there's what it's allowing me to do is to do what I love the most, which is to be on the mic and to produce shows. That's what I love, so that's what I'm happy about. Well, awesome. Welcome to 5x5. Five five. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I've seen the CMS now, right? Because I do the, the news, and I know I made the right decision. It's pretty slick, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to take a quick sponsor break, and then I think I know exactly what I'm going to drill you about next. Okay. All right. So next up, we have Shutterstock.com, where you'll find over 20 million stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and video clips. Start your search at Shutterstock.com to find that perfect image for your website, ad, publication, or any other creative project. Shutterstock gives you a global image collection to find images from around the world to suit your project. Choose between image packs and monthly subscription packages. Choose whatever fits your need and never have to compromise. If you need just one image for your blog or mock-up, you can do that, too. Every time you visit Shutterstock, you'll find something new since they add 10,000 new images every day. It's more affordable than you think, too, with no extra charge for large files. Just download any image at any size and pay only one price. They don't nickel and dime you for high-resolution images. If you need them, you can just take them. Easily curate and share pictures via Lightboxes. You can choose your favorite pictures or videos and add them to your own Lightbox gallery as you search. You can also search using their iPad app. There's something called Enhanced License Access. If you like an image and you want to run it on print or swag for your trade shows, they can get you an enhanced license for any image. They also have a huge library of vectors, icons, infographic templates, and video clips for all your graphic needs. If you need help at Shutterstock.com, you get an account rep dedicated to you who will, who will answer any questions, and they also have 24-hour support during the week. Sign up for a free browse account at Shutterstock.com, no credit card needed. When you find the images you like and decide to purchase, use the offer code DANSENTME4 and get 30% off of any package. Okay, so you mentioned email. You mentioned uh, that you deal with a lot of email. Mm -hmm. 
And you've also told me in the past that you don't have any systems. You don't subscribe to any, uh, like, GTD ideologies or anything. True. So, how do you deal with email? Um, probably in a... I mean, I, I try and answer... I have push notifications, right? Mm-hmm. So, on, on my devices, I'm currently using Android. Um, so, I have, I, I have most of my email go through Gmail. Um, so if I see something pop up and I need to respond to it, I will just stop whatever I'm doing and respond to it, which makes, I'm sure makes some people sort of grind their teeth. I'm grinding Um, my teeth. (laughs) And other than that, a lot of time I will maybe read a message and then we'll leave it in my inbox until I respond to it. That's fine. I will then respond to it. Um, Where does it go then after you uh, respond to it? If it's something, it goes in one, it's one of two things. A lot of stuff I will just archive. But if it's something that I think I may want, I attach a label to it and then file it away. That's not so bad. I responded to it. So like, for example, I do a lot of guest booking for, for my shows, especially for Command Space. So every guest that I've ever had has their own label. You have one. And every correspondence that we have goes into that person's label. Okay. That seems excessive to me, but if that works, I mean, do you are you able to quickly locate the conversations you need that way? So fast. So fast. And because I've had issues with search, and I don't trust search. Um, like, for example, in some apps, like, say, I don't know, I was using Mailbox for a while, mm-hmm. and the main reason that I, I didn't use Mailbox, I, I left it, I, I don't like it, is because I, I, for example, I had a show... I can't remember who it was with, but whoever my guest was in Command Space that week. And I did a search for their name to find their Skype information, which they'd sent me like a month before because I booked quite far in advance. Um, and the search wasn't giving me any results. And it doesn't have full label support unless you move them all around into different folders. Went on to my Mac, opened Mail, found the label and got the Skype info. So I was like, right, but I'm not using that anymore. See, for me, mailbox is like a, a middleman tool. Yeah. Like I use it, I use it for, for scanning, filing, archiving messages. But when I actually want to work with my email, especially in search, I usually end up in the Gmail web interface just because it's so inclusive and fast and has so much better syntax than mail.app does. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love the mailbox philosophy. It it mirrors a lot of what I had been doing before mailbox came out. Uh, just kind of like, I'll leave something in my inbox if it needs to be dealt with and I haven't dealt with it yet. But I try to, you know, at the end of each day, deal with all of that. Yeah, I mean, I I'm I kind of use, so I guess I could be guilty sometimes of using my inbox as like a to-do list. Um, because I will say, for example... I've got something that I need to follow up on that is email related and I've got a previous message. I won't file it away until I've dealt with it. Sometimes I'll mark it as unread. Sometimes I won't, but it's not a great system, but it it sounds nonetheless, it sounds like a system. Yeah. It's not, you know, I don't, I don't even really, I don't, that's not even really, I don't have a, like any GTD app. I don't keep any of that stuff. I have, um, there's an app that I use on iOS um, when I was using iOS called Dew. You've used Dew, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and I used to put all of my reminders into there. Um, and now I use an app on Android called Astrid, which is A-S-T-R-I-D, which is kind of like it's kind of like a task list and I just have things in there which are all time-related. So like prepare for X show or I have like work things, so remind me to talk to Bob about this. And you know, they're just a list there and I just check them off as I'm done. But it, there's no context, there's no tagging, none of that stuff. Um, and I think a lot of a lot of things for me, I'm just quite good at remembering to do something. Um, I don't, I very rarely miss a task. That's impressive. I don't know why that is, but I, as, you know, as we were talking about what we were going to discuss on this show, and I was like, I don't have a system, and you were like, well, you created a successful podcasting network, so you must be doing some work. Right, in some way. Yeah. So I guess I just, um, I am the type of person that I could probably do a lot more if I had some sort of 
amazing GTD system, but I've never been able to stick to anything. Um, and I guess that's because maybe it doesn't add that much for me. Sure. That, well, that makes sense. If you're getting everything done either way, why add an extra layer in there? Yeah, I mean, and there are some things that are like, I know I need a list for. So let's say, for example, whenever we would launch a new show, there was a list of things that I had to do. So I had to update this page, update this page, contact this person at iTunes to get our feature in and all that sort of stuff. I'd have a set list of things. So I would use the app Clear. Yes. Create a list in that, which was really simple for me to do. It would take me five minutes. I would just knock all of the things in and now on launch day, I would just mark everything off as I was done. And that worked for me. Um, and then, you know, I started saying, I wonder if I could create a template out of this. Because it's, it's the same task I would do every time. So then I would look at something like, I know that you can kind of make templates in OmniFocus. And I'd find a way to do it. And I'd be like, this is too much work. When all I need to do is take five minutes to sit down and I can just remember what I need to do. So I'll just put all of these into an app that has no overhead and is very simple and looks really nice. Um, because OmniFocus and things and apps like that are so big and heavy and you kind of need to know a lot going into them about how they work. They're great apps and they do incredible things. But all I really needed was clear. That was all I actually needed in those scenarios. And I could, you know, after a while, realize I can create a set list and just never delete the tasks and then just refresh them every time. Do you know the real Matt guys? Uh, I know Nick, yeah. Everyone knows Nick. Yeah, I've met <laughs> a couple of times. Because uh, where they're based in Brighton is one of my favorite places in, on the planet. Nice. So I've, I've met up with them and I've been down there a few times. Have you seen an app called Listery? It's on iOS. Yeah, when I was using Simple Note a lot, um, I did use Listery. Um, yes. And it, yeah, and I, I, I was kind of using that a bit before Clear came out, but Clear just changed everything. So yeah, I like I like the idea of plain text uh, uh, list be- <laughs> well, because they're so easy to template. Like you could so easily copy a note and and use it as a template for these lists. Yeah. Um, if you oh. haven't, if anyone out there hasn't seen Listeri, it's uh, you can basically turn plain text notes in Simple Note or NVAlt into checklists that you can check off and rearrange in this app. It's pretty cool. I would never have had you down as a plain text guy. Really, I I get that a lot. <laughs> People are shocked. <laughs> Listeri, um, I sort of went back and forth a bit. A bit. I'm kind of very protective of things so when i would create a note in listery if i then tried to access that note in simple note it would look weird like it would do strange things to the notes i can't remember what it would do now but it would just make strange spacing and like when you checked off something it would kind of make it look weird and then if i tried to access that note in simple note and then go back in listery it would do strange things so i kind of stopped using it Huh. Like I'm like that. That's like the reason I didn't. The reason one of the reasons I left Mailbox was because it felt like it was doing things to my email that weren't consistent. So if I wanted to set, like if I starred something, it would flag it. I was like, well, that's not what I asked you to do. Like if I started in Mailbox and went to Mail App, it would be flagged. I'd be like, well, that's not. You know, I I don't like it when an app does things that to an existing system that I have that are not necessarily what I've asked it to do implicitly. Kind of protective like that. Is that strange? No, it's not strange. I think you have to make concessions uh, if you want to use something that kind of defines its own system. Yeah. You have to... You to have accept to be, that's going to weird, weird things out. Yeah. Or, or, yeah, just be willing to have your system be malleable for a bit. And mm-hmm. it sounds like you're not really, um, not really keen on on providing flexibility when it when you have a system that's already working. Yeah, I, I guess I'm kind of like that. Like, I'm a tinkerer like we all are, but most of the time I will just go back to what I was doing. One thing that has changed in quite a big way for me is um, I was using Simple Note a lot for everything, but I had, like many others, have had a couple of strange deletion experiences um so i kind of moved away from that but i use google drive a lot 
Um, I'm a big fan of Google Drive. I'm probably the only person. You um, might be. In our, like, um, sphere that, that you really uses the app. But I've yet to find an application that has as thorough and good um, collaboration tools. That's, that's true. And that's the one reason that in our sphere, our nerd bubble, you will hear is there's really nothing else that can compete with it on a collaboration standpoint. So you can imagine that I share documents with other hosts, right? So we update a, a, a current topic notes or whatever for the next show. Um, so as opposed to the show notes that we put on our pages, we have outlines that we create. Um, and and we you know I update those those documents throughout the show. We put like title suggestions because at the moment we don't use the fantastic chat room for that. We do them all ourselves during the show. Um, and I have like lists of guests that I want. I have lists of show topics. And um, because I then use Google Drive for that, I have most of my sort of notes and documents that I keep for podcasting are stored in Google Drive. Because once I find something, I try and use it as much as possible as opposed to then splintering it away. So rather than then keeping podcast-related notes in SimpleNote, I keep everything in Google Drive. But I'm starting to look at Evernote again as well. Yeah. Um, just because the Android app is really, really good. Well, and their iOS apps have gotten really, really good too. Yeah, I, Honestly, I'm tempted myself after years of moving away from Evernote. Uh, it's, it's really, there, there are a lot of reasons to want to use it right now. I agree. And the, that I like the new iOS apps, but, um, some of the, like some of the interface I find to be a bit wonky, like this, you know, like the way they have those sort of like files and you kind of have to pull up the file to see your notes, but on Android, it doesn't do that. Um, like the note, the notebooks and the stacks, you know, like. On the iOS, when you on the iOS version of, of Evernote, I think it's five. You open it up, and you've got kind of what looks like a filing cabinet, and you've got like folders that sort of they yeah. fall behind each other, and you kind of tap one or pull it up, and you see your notes, yeah, your, or your notebooks. Yeah. Um, it's not like that on Android. It's a little bit easier to use. It kind of has more of like you know the hamburger in the basement. You've heard of these these ideas, right? Uh, you I have no design. idea what you're talking about. Yeah, so this is this new thing. It's called Hamburger and Basement, which is ridiculous. But you know that um, the button on the top left-hand corner that has the three lines? Yeah. That's called a hamburger. Ah. And you know when an app slides away and you've got a pane underneath it? Yes. It's called the basement. Gotcha. I feel like I've taught you something. You though. have. You have. <laughs> Whose parlance is this? Is this I like... have no idea where it's come from. Um, but the hamburger has been around for a while. Um, there are some apps. I think Marco did this in a magazine. I think he did it for April Fools. Like he actually changed it to an icon of a hamburger. <laughs> um, but the basement idea, I think, has been around since um, Apple introduced multitasking. I think they called it's been called the basement then because if you double click, yeah, it's underneath, isn't it? It's kind of underneath. Yeah, uh, yeah. These these are these ideas called the hamburger in the basement, and <laughs> Evernote um, employ that sort of method for the Android app. Interesting. I might have to. I actually have a Nexus sitting next to me right now. I might have to throw Evernote on it and take a look. Yeah, I mean, I just have been using Android, and I don't use the Nexus Seven for the tablet. I still use my iPad. It's, but Android's really good on the phone. It's I still don't really like the tablet experience too much. Yeah, I I still don't like the Android experience too much, but I I keep I keep an eye on it. Yeah, it's getting a lot better. It is. Things are getting better. Should I do another sponsor? Yeah, do that. All right. Our third sponsor today. Do you, <laughs> Okay, the ad read starts off uh do you want the new Samsung Galaxy S4? Uh, which is apropos. I should have just I should have just segued into this smoothly, but you would have had no idea what was happening. <laughs> I'd be like, uh, "No, I'm okay, thanks." <laughs> uh, my Nexus Four, I like it. <laughs> or maybe you plan to buy the HTC One or an iPhone Five before you upgrade. Make sure you sell your used phone or gadget to Gazelle.com for cash. Don't give away or bury last year's gadget in a drawer. Find out what it's worth at Gazelle.com right now. Gazelle makes selling your used gadgets fast and simple. 
first go to gazelle.com, that's G-A-Z-E-L-L-E.com, and find your item. Tell Gazelle the condition. They'll even buy broken phones and iPads. Um, get a risk-free offer for your gadgets, and you can lock that in for 30 days. And then you'll get paid fast by check, PayPal, or get an extra 5% with an Amazon gift card. They know what they're doing, too. Gazelle has paid $100 million to over 500,000 customers. If you have an iPhone, Samsung, HTC, or BlackBerry smartphone, or an iPad or other Apple product, your gadget may lose value every day that you wait. So go to gazelle.com now to get an offer. And that brings us to block three, top three. Do you have uh, do you have a do you have a top pick for the week? Oh my! So of my three picks, my my top one. Well, that- we'll call it, we'll call it first pick. Okay. I won't ask you to rank your three. Okay. Well, my my first pick for you this week is a game called Nimble Quest. So this is on iOS and Android because I've become that guy now. <laughs> uh, do you remember um, on Nokia phones the game Snake? Excuse me. You mean like the <laughs> the one that like you're, you're like a centipede kind of thing, and yeah, you just go you ninety degree angles. Yeah. So you would you would be a snake, and you would be yeah going left, right, up, and down. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Basically, imagine that crossed with an RPG game, and you've got Nimble Quest. So I can't imagine that. You'll have to you'll have to walk st- me through it. So you have a, a team of people. Let's say you, you select one sprite. This is your this is the first person in your RPG army that you are, or your team that you are amassing. You send them out into the world and you are moving around in that environment. So it's in square environments and you have to up, down, left and right. So you do it with swiping the touchscreen. So you swipe up, swipe left, etc. And you're going around the plane of this environment, um, killing monsters. So you have a power of some kind. Maybe you have a sword or a gun or an archer, depending on the person you selected to be the first person in your party. And as you get approach one of the villain characters, the monsters, you will start to attack it. Now these, you know, usually it's like one attack and it's dead as you get more powerful, you know, or it's like a couple of times you have to see chasing it around kind of thing. Um, as you are killing them, you are collecting power-ups, you're collecting gems, and you're also periodically collecting a new person to add to your party. As time goes on, you go through different worlds, you may have a party of maybe 10 people who have amassed this big snake, like a conga line, that are following you around, and each person also attacks. So the more people that you have, the more enemies you're able to take down. The more enemies you kill, the more gems you collect, and you advance into new levels, and you unlock more characters. You can level them up by playing, or you can use coins... So, the, the, sorry, the gems that you collect, you can level people up and also buy power-ups. Um, there are also coins that you can buy to advance this quicker, as with most in-app purchase stuff. But this game, you don't have to put any money into it. It's not one of those sort of sleazy games. You know the, um, I think, Tiny Tower and that Tiny Planes game or something it was called? Yeah. Same people. Okay. Nimble made this game. They, they, they're kind of known for 8-bit games, huh? Yeah. This so, is that they do. How long do you play in a sitting? Like you, you personally? Can, you're going to love this because you can play anyway from a couple of minutes or you can play for hours. And I know that we have an affinity for these sorts of games like Monsters Ain't My Condo. <laughs> yeah. It's the sort of game where you can pick it up and you can put it down. And so you may, like, you go out on like a campaign, you may get killed within the first minute. Or you may last for like 10 minutes, depending on how well you're doing. But you can easily jump in and out, or you can just, once you die, just start a new game again and keep going through. So it's that sort of game. You can play it either in a line, or you can chill out, listen to some music, and play it for three hours. It's one of those sorts of games. I think you would really like this, Brett, because we have quite similar gaming tastes, and I think you would like this one a lot. It's a really, really fun game. I'm willing to give it a shot. Do you know how much it costs? It's free. It's free. Mm-hmm. And they don't ask for any money? It's one of those in-app purchase things. So you can grind and play the game and level up, or you can chuck in some money. And it has one of my favorite things in in-app purchase games. So you can, you, know, you can buy the coins. The coins will level you up faster. You know? Or they have a one-time payment of an amount 
that gives you a long-term benefit. So have you played um, Jetpack Joyride? Oh, yes. So what I love about Jetpack Joyride is you can buy the coin doubler. So it's like $1.49 or $1.99, and every, t- every coin that you collect is worth two. So it's a long-term benefit for an amount of money that would probably be the cost of the game if they sold it. They have one in here where it unlocks gems, red gems, that are worth ten times the amount of other gems in the game that will also fall during the game as, as you c- kill bad guys. And again, it's like $2, so it's a persistent one that helps you as the game goes on. And I like that because then I don't need to be buying coins. Because I like to support the developers. Like if I'm using a free, if I'm p- playing a freemium game and I play it for a long period of time and I think to myself, I would have played, paid $3, $4 for this game. I will typically buy an in-app purchase for that sort of amount to support them. So I like when I have a purchase like that, which isn't 10 coins, but it's like something that I will pay for that will benefit me in the game and also supports the developer. I'm with you on that. I actually got a lot of um, joy from a game called uh, Gun Bros, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And you you can advance really far through that game without ever spending a dime, but, man, things get really fun if you drop you know, four bucks into it. Yep, that's the same with Nimble Quest. You don't need to, it's like with all of the games by these, by the Nimble Bit guys, you don't need to put any money into it, but you can. Like, but you, if you don't, you can play the game forever. Like, it's not, one of my least favorite things at the moment is in-app purchase, well, games that feature in-app purchases, which allow you to break time limits. So there was a game by, you know, PopCap? Yeah. So they like make Plants vs. Zombies and stuff. They came out with an iOS game called Solitaire Blitz. It was all, it's an awesome t- um, take on a solitaire game where like it's like really fast-paced and you're like, rather than playing regular solitaire, you, you're kind of like throwing cards all over the place trying to stack multiple different solitaire games. It's, it's a lot of fun. But you can only play like, you get like five games and they refresh like one every 10 minutes or whatever. So if you play five games, you need to either wait 40 minutes to play another game or pay an in-app purchase to buy coins to speed that up. I'm like, that's not fun. Yeah, like, no. You're limiting the amount of time I can play your game. At, at, that, me... point, at that point, it kind of becomes like a try before you buy. Yeah. It's shareware. But what I would want is to pay an amount of money and never have to worry about it again. Rather than paying $3, you get 50 coins... And then in two weeks' time, you need to pay again. I'll be like, just let me pay $5 to you for the game and don't bother me with this time limit anymore. Yeah, yeah. That's I what that. I like, you know. I, I, I don't want to have to keep paying you more money than you would get out of me. In a a subscription system. package, if you will. And the reason that that happened is because EA bought PopCap. So. Oh, EA. EA are ruining games like Real Racing. I don't know anything about EA. But you can, I, I've I, heard the name, but anger. what's that? I liked your anger anyway. I appreciate that. It was I phoned it in. I'm sorry. It's okay. I appreciate it anyway. <laughs> okay, so that sounds awesome. I feel like I should choose a game, but you know, the Walking Dead game was pretty good. But that's not going to be my pick. Um, Which one? Which one? The the new one where you're actually playing the characters from the TV show. Yeah, Walking Dead Assault, right? The top-down yeah. game. Yeah, they are. that's the one. Yeah. They're both awesome, though. Like, the one by Telltale Games, which is, like, the five-part one. That is an incredible experience. Uh, like, like the one? The one that where you tilt and maneuver? Um, I'm thinking of something else. I've played it on the PlayStation, but it's available on iOS. And There was one where you, like, you basically, you hold your phone and you are a survivor walking through a field of zombies. And you have yeah. to angle to like run around them and away from them, and then you find guns and you can take them out. And... No, I don't think it's that one. But this is this is a, a Walking Dead game by a company called Telltale, and it's in different chapters, and it's more like an interactive sort of story. Really, you you do move around and you find things. It's like a sort of point and click adventure, and a like a narrative tree. So you make choices through the. You know, you, you say someone will ask you a question and you get a bunch of choices or you can ask a bunch of questions. You know, those sort of games, right? Yeah. It's like, that's an excellent game, which is an incredible experience 
for people. You, it's a very very emotional game. Did you ever play like Zile or any no. of the they were like old old like they were Unix based and then they started making them for like DOS. And uh, like yeah. the whole thing was text. You would ask questions and you would tell it that you wanted to move to a new location and then you would ask questions of the wizards there and it was all text based. It was all kind of like a really rudimentary AI. Can I make you want to kill me? Um, you can try. I don't think I was old enough. How old are you? 25. Uh, yeah, you're not old enough. <laughs> I'll let it go. Um, <laughs> my anger has receded. <laughs> so anyway, my first pick will actually be um, URI Love, I believe is how he has... Uh, it listed on his website, but it's uri.lv and it's a replacement for services like FeedBurner. And it'll take your RSS feed from a blog and it will allow you to get statistics. It'll handle all the syndication. It now handles um, auto tweeting and uh, auto posting to app.net uh, whenever a new post shows up. And it's basically a very uh, personalized version of FeedBurner. And I like uh, I like it a lot. The developer has been really responsive and really helpful. And uh, if you're looking for a, a way out of FeedBurner, he also, he offers a uh, an easy way to redirect the FeedBurner without ever losing any subscribers. And I would say if if you're using FeedBurner and and with Google's recent announcements regarding Reader and the fact that FeedBurner it does not have a long life ahead of it. Um, this would be a good time to check out services like URI Love. So I've got a question for you. Yes. So the feed is being hosted by this person? No. The feed is redirected. So it's your own feed. Right. And and they basically are a funnel for the feed. Uh, so you get the stats still. Yeah. But you have the feed now. Not not like right. with FeedBurner, we gave our feeds up. Really. Yep. Yep, and 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 he lists in in the uh, like kind of documentation for it. He says one of the points of this is that it remains your feed, and you can switch to any other service at any time without having to change a thing, which I like. You see, this was like one of all of this sort of stuff, like this feed burner fear, is like one of the other reasons that I didn't. Uh, I like five by five was like a good idea for me because I don't want to have to think about this anymore. Yeah, because it's so important for podcasters. You know, I mean, obviously it is for everyone with RSS, but there are like specific features that were built into FeedBurner for podcasters, and it offers great options. And of all of the stuff that I've seen, there isn't really anything that handles RSS feeds like a system as good as this, as good as like what FeedBurner does. But Dan has built his own. Um. So we get to use that. I mean, I it was like one of those things. It was like it felt like it was like a shadow, like sort of hanging over. Like at any point, it could go. And then you, me, need to work out how to fix this. And, I, you know, all of those sorts of things, I just don't want to have to worry about that. But this system looks really cool, though. I like the idea that you get a lot of the stats and all that cool stuff. Yeah, I, I can't speak to it as far as... Uh... Uh, podcasting goes but as far as a blogger goes i've been using it for a couple weeks now and i'm very impressed i mean i'm sure it can be done like i i can imagine you you know smarter people than me could easily get this working um and they have a premium so uh, which is great you can pay for it that's good that's what you want yes you want you want people to pay for it directly because that's what keeps it around yep i became a premium user uh, i think after day two i was Pretty sure that's where I was going to stick, so I bought it. You look at something like Pinboard, right? And you see how that is obviously sustaining for for the guys behind Pinboard. So I I love Pinboard. I should make that one of my picks. Exactly. Like I mean, that's the sort of thing, right? So mo- like people, good good cit- good net citizens like yourself would pay for this whether you needed the paid features or not because you'd want to keep it around and right. Um, Absolutely. That's what can keep a business like this going, and that's that's very good. And the fact that they you still have the control over it is uh, 
is good. That's good. So if they ever do go away, no problem. We don't. Nobody wants to go through this again. Right. We all just did well, Google. Well, we didn't. It wasn't even Google, right? It, it was a company like this. So who knows? Google could buy them and shut them down. But right. But, <laughs> but you know, we trusted the feed burner company, um, and then we trusted Google. We didn't think that. You know, we thought there's no way they would get rid of this. It's the backbone of the internet. But <laughs> what we learned is Google actually doesn't care about that, which they don't have to care about. They're a company. Um, and they obviously, I think they, they were saying like it was that it, there weren't really enough people working on it. And then there was a problem and nobody really knew how to fix it. So they were just thought we're going to cut our losses and shut it down now. Something like that. Yeah. But I think it's a sign of maturity for a new service to readily prepare for the fact that it, it, it's not likely to be around forever. Yeah. I, oh, I, I'm thinking of Google reader, aren't I? Not. Feedburner. I keep getting them mixed up. Yeah, but Feedburner was its own too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're not off base, uh, but I don't think Googly's Google <laughs> Googly. <laughs> I don't think Google has officially announced killing Feedburner yet. Uh, they took away a lot of the API features. Though, yes. Yes. So that's kind of like, you know, the one. end has begun as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, I- I keep get I keep thinking like feed burners going away when it's actually reader that's going away. Right. It's very strange. I kind of get them mixed up in my brain, which yeah, they're well, very similar. It's all RSS. It's all RSS, yep. Anyway. What do you have for number two? Um so a couple of weeks ago, um Merlin posted a link to his blog of a Jay Z song. But um I will find it for you. Brett for the show notes. Okay. And in the in the sort of the text, you know, he was talking about a great Jay Z video, and it really was. And I watched the video, and it was like a, a cool song. Um, and in the in the sort of the text, he mentioned a band called Girl Talk. Girl, Girl Talk. Yeah. And um, I'd never heard of them before, but. He sort of mentioned they were like a mashup band. I was like, yeah, I like that sort of stuff. I like listening to mashups. So I went to Audio and downloaded one of their albums, and I have been listening to it nonstop for like two weeks. And now I'm sort of going back deeper into their back catalogue, and now also trying to find more sort of mashup uh, sort of bands. Um, but I just love, I love it. It's kind of like really aggressive rock hip hop mashup. Yeah. I love Girl Talk. We're, uh, incredible. My last guest, actually, was it two guests ago? Maybe it was, yeah, it was all the way back to Dalton Caldwell mm-hmm. um, two or three weeks ago. Uh, we talked mashup and we talked Girl Talk. And it's definitely, it's a form of music that I, it combines songs that I normally wouldn't even listen to, like mashup in general does, into yep. songs that I absolutely love. And and it becomes a new entity, and I love everything about that whole genre. Yeah, exa- exactly, because, yeah, it, it takes stuff that you don't, as you say, you don't necessarily listen to. Like, I'm not huge on hip-hop, but I know a, a relative amount of hip-hop. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not my necessarily chosen style of music. But the way that they mix it together makes it just so much more fun. Did you ever hear the Grey album? Yeah. Oh my oh that blew my mind. Like I never cared about Jay Z at all until I heard him mixed with the Beatles. Like the entire album was amazing. And I will naturally assume that you have heard Collision Course. Actually not sure what you're talking about. This is Jay Z and Lincoln Park. Oh, I'd be I would be interested to hear that because I really don't like Lincoln Park, but they could do something interesting with it. They did a project with six songs, and, it, and they sort of did it with MTV. And it's basically they each took six songs, and they mashed them together, and they performed them live, and they recorded them. And it's incredible. So it's six Jay Z songs and six Linkin Park songs put together. Found and it. They like swap over lyrics, and Linkin Park sings some of Jay Z's stuff, and it's really, really good. Really nice. Good. All right, I'll be checking that out. I've got it ready for the show notes. Cool. Um, I should find the gray album too, but that got yanked. Like there were legal issues with the gray album. I like, would say for, for your benefit, 
if people want to find the Grey Album, they can definitely find the Grey Album, but anywhere that you're going to link to it is probably somewhere you shouldn't <laughs> link to. Well, there's always, uh, I can always link to it on uh, Wikipedia. That's safe. That's a good idea. Or a Google search. <laughs> nice. Um, okay, so, yeah, girl talk. Okay. I, I'm trying to decide what I want to do for my second pick. And I think I really want to highlight uh, some Mac Mini co-location service. Um, there's a there's a uh, guy named I can't, I don't know how for sure how to say his last name, but it's Brian Stuckey, I think. Yeah. Um, you 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 may know him from around the Twitters. He runs a company out of Vegas called Mac Mini Colo, mm-hmm. and his. His services are just superb. I'm, my entire blog right now is running off of a mini in his rack. And he has like a server room just chock full of Mac minis running off of huge, huge like T3 pipelines. Like as fast as your internet connection can go, you, it will never bottleneck on that end. So you can use them as home media servers. You can use them as... Uh, servers, you can use them as, you know, anything you can do with a networked Mac Mini. It's it's amazing, and especially at enterprise level, it's a great, I shouldn't say enterprise level, especially at small business level, it's it's a superb buy. And uh, I've had so much fun because I can just, I can pop up screen sharing and control everything on that Mac. I can, I can tunnel in through SSH. I can control all the server settings and all the variables. Over uh, over a secure shell, and it's just been it's been great. I love it. Yep, they're a, a sponsor of Five by Five Mac Mini Color. Really, mm-hmm. I've I've never had them on my show. I mean, the sponsor read. <laughs> Maybe you need to tell these guys to sort it out, Brent. Maybe I shouldn't because I'm so excited about them. It would be Good. some Maybe. weird conflict of interest. Yep, that's why I thought I would mention it because something. Yeah. Might- Oh, he's getting paid for this bit, but you're not. I am actually, I didn't even know they were a sponsor, so I consider this totally legit. I agree. All right. My last one's going to be weird. I'm, while you introduce your third pick, I'm going to reconsider my options. <laughs> so my last, um, my last pick today is a whole computer that I recently purchased. So... Um, I, I have a couple of Macs that I run. So the Mac that I'm currently talking to you on and does all of the recording um, and stuff is a Mac Mini. So I have a dedicated machine for that. I don't do anything on it other than record and edit the shows. But I then have a, a secondary computer, so my main computer that I use. And for a couple of years, it was an 11-inch MacBook Air. Um, and I loved the Air because it was light and it was very powerful. Um, but... I was kind of getting to the point where the 11-inch screen wasn't enough for me um, and I needed just more real estate, really, um, because it was getting a bit cramped to to do work. So I've been looking at getting a MacBook Pro for a while um, because also, you know, more power under the hood is never never a a bad thing. Um, And I've been taking a look at the 15s and the 13s um, and I've recently purchased a 13-inch Retina MacBook Pro um, let me, and I got the 2.6 i5 version, 8 gigabytes of RAM, and I have, what is my SSD? And it's 256 gig SSD. And I am in love with it. I love this computer so much. It's awesome. Um, people have said, you know, the graphics chip isn't as powerful as it should be um, with the Retina display, but I don't really do any image editing or Photoshop or anything like that, so it's not a problem for me. I play some games, like I played Minecraft and Bastion and games like that, and it worked absolutely fine. I don't notice any slowdown. Um, but I've got exactly what, what I wanted mainly was more screen real estate, which I have from the larger screen and also the higher screen resolution. I don't run it at the best for Retina. I run it at the, the one that's just up from that, which gives a bit more uh, screen real estate, um, so the more space, for um, one of the more space options. Um and it's just extremely powerful. Plus, the which the Retina display wasn't a 
big thing for me. It wasn't why I was getting the Mac. It was I wanted something more powerful, a bigger screen, but I didn't want it to be like ridiculously heavy and bulky. Um, but the the Retina screen is is very very beautiful, and I enjoy it very much. And it's my favorite um, Retina screen of any of the devices, like more than the iPhones or the iPads. I think this is the best looking one. Have you used uh, an Air? Yeah, I, so I had an 11 inch Air for okay. a couple of years. That's so, what I did from. So, if you had to make a comparison between, like, a 13 inch Air and a 13 inch Retina MacBook Pro, would you you clearly go with the the MacBook Pro? Yeah, um, it's just I mean, once you get into that stage, I mean, obviously it's it's bigger and bulkier, but the difference between the two in the size and weight. I don't. I think that the the amount of power and other features that you get from the MacBook Pro make it worth it. Like at that point, the the size and weight difference, I don't think is is that much of a benefit. Especially because I don't. This computer doesn't really leave the house too much. Um, I I like. I prefer laptops to desktops because you know you can take them around with you, um, and it's you know your main machine is going with you. But I don't take this to work every day or anything like that so the fact that it is a bit heavier is not really too much of an issue well to to stick up for the air which i i i labored long and hard over the decision between what you have and what i have and i have the 13 inch air and i decided on the air and i can't say i regret any part of it hooked up to a 27 inch uh apple display it's been Awesome. Now you're making me second guess myself, but maybe I'll save up and just get whatever happens at the next refresh. We'll see. If you're using it on the display, then well, yeah, and I like I like having the display at home, and then the portability of the, you know like the, the sheer portability of the air when I do you know venture outside of the house with well, the, and need the, a computer at the same time. Exactly. Like where I say the retina isn't a big feature and it isn't, it would kind of frustrate me to have that beautiful screen but then have it in clamshell mode because I've got it you know, plugged into a, a monitor. Yeah. But this works well for me. 13 inches is, I think it's as big a laptop as I've ever owned. I've never, my other half has a 15 inch and it's a really nice screen but it's it's just slightly too big. I mean, it would take up more space than I'm willing to give on my desk, really. See, I think part of my distaste for the MacBook Pro comes from the fact that I lugged around 17-inch MacBook Pros for years. Oh, that's, that is an insane machine. I've only ever seen a few of them, like, outside of an Apple store, because you can't really grasp how big they are until you <laughs> see them, like, in the real world. Yeah. And those things were ridiculous. Yes. Yes, they were. And and I I ruined my back biking to and from work with one of those in my backpack. It was. Do you know how heavy it was? I don't offhand, but heavy enough that I felt it. That's for sure. But I'm a weakling. I'm going to Wikipedia now to see if it can help me find out sort of the weight of a MacBook Pro. Well, you do that, and I'll. I'll I found something I'm excited about. So I'm going to talk about um, Music Butler. You ever see Music Butler? No, I've never heard of it. Okay, there used to be uh, more of a plethora of uh, choices in the area of full-screen music apps on the iPhone that will let you control by full-screen gestures, which is great when you're like driving in a car and you have your phone up on a mount and you can just reach over and just swipe across the screen to skip to the next track. Um, there aren't a lot left that are really good at this. Uh, Music Butler is one I found recently that lets you put this, put your screen into a lock mode that shows you your clock, which some music apps, they remove the top bar and you can't see what time it is. And I always want to know what time it is when I'm driving somewhere. Um, so that's nice. But then you also have like, you can control, you can configure gestures, but it's got gestures for play and pause and fast forward, uh, like 30 second rewind and, and skip. And then you can, using two fingers, unlock it and have full control over playlists and shuffle and repeat and all of that. And it's just 
once you get it set up, which takes a good, you know, two, three minutes and, uh, and drop a playlist into it, you're good for a whole trip. It's amazing. I love it. Sounds cool. So a 2008 17-inch MacBook Pro was 5.4 pounds, which is roughly the weight of an 11 and 13-inch MacBook Air. <laughs> if you're carrying both of those around, it would be like carrying around the 17-inch. Nice. <laughs> Man, it felt, it felt heavier than 5 pounds, but I could see, especially when I used to use a messenger bag, yeah, you would notice it over time. It's one of those sorts of things. Like, yeah, just a five pound weight is fine, but if you're carrying it around on your back for many hours a day, every day, it, I, yeah, that's gonna take a toll. I eventually got a saddle bag for my bike, and it was one of the best decisions I made. Arkle, I think. Ark, Ark. Oh, I can't remember the company who makes these saddle bags, but you can get like they just they go on one side of your back tire. And you can put a 17-inch MacBook Pro in there and forget about it because it's got like a cushion suspended uh, uh, strap inside of it that lets it kind of like float and not take all the shock and and uh, jiggle of riding on a bike. Perfect saddle. Uh, I'm gonna find I'm- it for I'm I'm gonna find it for the show notes because it's really. Uh, it's it's a really good company. It starts with ARK, I swear it does. But I'll find that later. Um, and I think that was three for both of us, right? I think so. I'm so I, I'm improving at counting every week, and um, I I can count to four sponsors as well. So this is our fourth sponsor, and Ting. Ting is a mobile. That doesn't make sense. I'm I'm I I didn't I didn't read through this ad before I I put it up. So uh okay, here we go. Ting is mobile that makes sense. Ting is a mobile service reseller of the nationwide Sprint network. What makes Ting different? First off, they're truly and completely contract free with no or no early termination fee. And they give you the choice to create the type of plan you want. You can get an extra small and excess through an XXL uh, service level for voice minutes, text messages, and megabytes of data all billed separately. There's no need to worry about penalties or overage charges. If you use more than you thought you would, you just pay for what you used. And if you use less, Ting drops you down to the level you hit and credits the difference to your next bill. That's pretty cool. Uh, think they sound great already? Listen to this. Voicemail, caller ID, tethering, hotspot, three-way calling, Call forwarding and other features are all part of the service for free. When you get your bill, you'll never see any mysterious line items either. Ting charges you for what you use, plus whatever taxes they're legally required to collect. No hidden charges or recovery fees. They also let you have as many devices as you want on one plan, sharing pooled minutes, messages, and megabytes. Each device on a plan costs a flat $6 per month. Need to access your account? Take control of your usage and the bills and the powerful online control panel and the new Ting Android apps. If you ever need assistance, call them at any time between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and a real live person will pick up the phone. They're always giving stuff away on their Facebook page, too. Hoodies, jackets, service credits, and socks. It says socks. They have socks. Ting socks. And they are at facebook.com slash ting. Go and visit 5x5.ting.com to learn more and receive $25 off your first device purchase or a $25 Ting service credit. There we go. I want some Ting socks. I, ting socks, but that whole plan sounds pretty good. Oh, it's just what I've got. Yeah, that, that, I've, heard the, I've heard Ting on, on a few 5x5 shows and... Uh, it's one of those things I'm kind of jealous that we can't get that. I should see if I can get it. We can't get a lot out here, out here in the boonies. <laughs> so you are on Twitter as iMike with a Y. Yep, an I, I and a Y. An I and a Y. So I'm I-M-Y-K-E. Even I forgot how to spell it then. <laughs> are, are you on app.net too? I forget. Yeah, same. Yeah, same, same on app.net. Mm-hmm. And... You have a website at mikehurley.net, is that right? That's correct. 
And then maybe the first time I ever remembered someone's website during a podcast. Thank, thank, I, I am honored. And so that website will link you to 5x5 five five and your shows on 70 decibels and, uh, and your collection of uh, field notes. Mm-hmm. And from the, uh, from the no, Pen Addict podcast, is that what it is? That is correct. Pen Addict. Yes. Man, I'm on a roll. I should... You're doing well, Brett. You're such a pro. All right. I'm going to do me now. You ready? I'm ready. I'm Brett Terpstra. I am TT Scoff on Twitter and app.net. I can be found at brettterpstra.com. And, um, and you can find Systematic on 5x5 slash Systematic. And I, I, I think that was it. I think that was me. I love your website. <laughs> Did you like the redesign? Yeah, I'm I, bored my, with my it already. Thing. You know those uh, like the sort of the banners at the top that have like marked sixty yeah. tips and systematic. I like when you roll over them and they do that little shutter thing. <laughs> and also, can you explain to me what super readable is? <laughs> it's from uh, actually one of my earlier podcasts. I uh, uh, had a guest on who is dyslexic. And he right. introduced me to this font called Open Dyslexic. And from the people I talk to who suffer from dyslexia, this font is actually pretty good for uh, becoming readable. And so I tried it out, and I found that with this font on, as ugly as it might be, I could read faster. It kind of looks like your website is in the 70s. Yeah, exactly. It's like a bell-bottom font. Yeah, it's very strange. But it adds this it adds weight to the the baseline of the sentence and let your eye scan it faster. Oh yeah, look at that. I'm reading a lot I am actually reading it very, very quickly. So I, I maybe shouldn't call it super readable as much as like speed reader or something. Hmm? But but yeah, that's what it is. I'd ex- I had expected that it was um a dyslexic uh friendly font. Yes. But I wondered why you had it as a like a, an option right there, but now because I, I found that a lot of uh, a lot of ADD nerd types also have a certain amount of I shouldn't say a lot, but it's 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 not uh, it's not uncommon for right. people uh, in my my sphere to uh, suffer from some kind of dyslexia. So there's a crossover. There is, and I, I I can't speak for other people's spheres, but it doesn't seem to be an uncommon problem. So anyway. That is episode 40. Thanks a lot for being here, Mike. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. I've been waiting for this day. (laughs) We'll have you back soon. Thanks, buddy. All right, and we'll be back in a week.